Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme. I'm excited. We got, we got a great show lined up for you today. We have some news, some recent news coming up, uh, some things that are going on in the game of golf, of course. Uh, and later on in the show, something you really want to make sure you stick around for, some player comparisons. The question is, who is the pre-Tiger era version of, we're going to talk about some players like Rory McIlroy, Henrik Stenson, Anthony Kim. It's going to be exciting. You don't want to miss it. But first, we welcome to the show, uh, Rick Gaiman. Rick, what's going on? What's up, Craig? It's been a bit since you and I have been able to uh, chat a bit. I'm looking forward to it. I know. Unfortunately, I've missed the last couple. Uh, you guys have been doing a great job. Always exciting to listen to. Um, and let's not forget Kyle Porter. Kyle, welcome to the show. How are we doing? These are, that's, a, that's an interesting question. It's a, it's a really interesting question. These times are so unique for so many different reasons, right? We have the, the things that are going on in the world are, uh, these are the kind of things that we'll never forget. And we will always remember 2020, the things that we maybe, you know, maybe they're not good things. There's silver linings and everything, but uh, there's been a lot of uncomfortable topics going on. And, you know, we, we have to acknowledge the, the recent events and, and all the things that have been happening in the world. And, I would say today we're not going to claim to have any answers or offer takes, but these are the kind of things that you have to mention. They deserve a mention and, and to not mention them uh, to me is doing them a, a disservice. Now, one thing that I will say today, we're here to offer a distraction. I know that this may not be the thing that you want to discuss uh, that, that you want to be, you turn on the news every day and it's not positive. And you may want a chance to get away from that. And that's what we're going to do here on, on the show. We're going to get into some, some great golf talk. But we have to acknowledge some of these things. And the game of golf has not been silent. We've heard Damon Hack uh, come out with an article for Golf Channel. It was called, Can I Be Both Thankful and Horrified? Can I? Maurice Allen, uh, the world long drive player, uh, being black in a white sport had a great article and gentlemen you you got a chance to catch up with Cheyenne Woods on this uh, Kyle we'll start with you what are some of your general thoughts in this current environment yeah we, we should also mention uh, Eamon Lynch wrote a, a really good article for uh, who's that for golf week I think yeah, and, um, yeah. Just, just about how you know t and, and, and Tiger had had uh, had put a statement out uh, on Twitter, I think on his website also, but Eamon's point was that Tiger um, has never been one to, to really take a stand, uh, but things are uh, so dire and so blatant that even Tiger uh, ha has, has said something. And, and that's not, I, you know, T Tiger's in an, he's in an impossible position. And, and so it's, you know, it, 
you don't want to just throw everything. Everything gets thrown on him anyway is kind of the voice of golf, and especially in 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 a situation like this. Uh, but I thought Eamon's piece was was really good, and I thought Damon's piece was great. Damon is somebody that I've gotten to know a little bit in in going down and and doing Golf Channel. He's an awesome guy. Um, he he, I mean he's 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 tremendous. He's incredibly kind. Uh, really good at his job. I think people, if you watch Golf Channel, you, you might not realize um, just how good he is. Like he, he's he's unbelievable at his job. It's it's hard to describe what makes him so good. I'm still not sure, even though I've been down there a couple times. Uh, but he he's just he has this inherent thing where he's so good on TV in ways that I think people who are watching TV don't totally understand. Um, so I really enjoyed. Uh, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word. I, I really appreciated his piece as well. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, it, it is it, this, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to think back. I think having kids now, uh, it's more of a, a marker in time for me. And my wife and I have talked about this of wanting them to remember some of this stuff and remember the way that her and I reacted to it in, in positive ways, 30 years from now, 40 years from now of saying, Hey, it, when they ask like, Hey, what was your reaction to this? What did you do? Right. Of being able to say, Hey, this is, this is what we did. This was our reaction. And, 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 and that hopefully being a, a positive example uh, to them and, and a positive, a positive example to the people in our community as well. It, it, you know, the country's hurt, guys, and quite frankly, they should be. This is a conversation and a change about race relations in this country that is long overdue. Um, rarely, if ever, do you see what is a staple of America protest. That That is what has gotten uh, so many things accomplished in the history of our country take place in all 50 states at the same time. That That, that is... That is rare. I think it shows the magnitude of uh, uh, the situation that we're dealing with right now. And, and there are a lot of great voices. Mine's probably not, not the best. Uh, I'm a white guy who doesn't see any discrimination anywhere. Um, you know, Cheyenne Woods, friend of the pod, she does a podcast. It's Birdies Not BS with Doug Smith. She's been, she's been tackling this issue for years like the, the question is is golf racist then in general how this is bigger for our country so uh, i certainly uh defer to better voices and voices that can speak from experience but i think to kyle's point um yeah this is a lot of it comes out of what what everyone's doing what everyone's saying right now is really really important it definitely gives you a, a very clear opportunity as i know both of you have an opportunity to really uh, reflect, take a deep look, and and ask yourself difficult questions, and uh, and and all of these other articles here that that we mentioned, Damon's article, uh, Cheyenne Woods, and all of her takes, Maurice Allen, Eamon Lynch, as Kyle pointed out, these are places you can go to get some uh, some really some some I would say thought provoking takes, and just understand that the game of golf is not silent on this issue. Um, we, however, 
are going to give you an opportunity to get away from it. And there is some news in, in the official World Golf Rankings. Uh, the, the official World Golf Rankings are going to resume with the PGA Tour's return next week. Now, that sounds like uh, somewhat of an obvious thing. It sounds like something that you would expect, okay? Most of you probably didn't even know that the official World Golf Rankings had frozen. Of course they froze, right? The, the game of golf froze. The world of golf froze. But uh, the PGA Tour is coming back before many other tours, highlighted by the European Tour. So, Rick, I'll start with you. What are your general thoughts on this? I mean, people are not happy about this in Europe. Yeah, I, I kind of got the exposure to the concern around it when I saw, you know, Matthew Fitzpatrick tweet out uh, how that, that this is unfair that the that the World Golf Rankings are going to be coming back next week, and I was like, let me, I gotta like figure out what like what did we expect? Right. I, I mean, yeah, if, if the European tour and those guys are a month behind a month behind of not being able to accumulate the, the official world golf ranking points that that is going to hurt them. Uh, I think it's probably kind of a, a, a small, a small blip, Greg, but like, it, it's one of these situations. I always go back to like um, when college football wanted to put in a playoff system and they said, okay, do it with the top four teams. Well, fifth and sixth, we're going to be, going to feel like they got shafted uh and if you go to eight teams nine and ten were going to feel like they were left out or they should continue to expand it and i think you're in that situation now with the world golf rankings if if you don't start this back up and you wait until the european tour comes back well now does the mckenzie tour say no 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 you have to wait until we come back or you know all these other it's, it's going to be so hard to coordinate if if golf is going on around the world these rankings have to be up and running do you think kyle you could just draw the line after uh, the European tour, just say, okay, well, we, we know that a majority of the top players, and again, the, the top 100 mark, the top 50 mark, these are really important marks in the official world golf rankings because they get you into the big time events like world golf championships, events like, uh, like majors. Do you think you could just draw a line and say, hey, it's going to be once the European tour comes back, we're going to be good to go. We're going to be rolling. Or do you think, uh, do you think that they're doing the right thing by restarting with the PGA tour start. I think, uh, this is a great, this is great video right here. By the way, <laughs> he's doing a, people can't see it, but he's doing like a notebook handoff to somebody. And Greg has um, an assistant, I think who is think, yeah, delivering somebody bringing, notes. Somebody bringing yeah, him his is, takes right is, there. Uh, my, my good friend, Andrew Losey, who can't hear anything you're saying. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's why that's you're not phenomenal. seeing much of a reaction. So I, I think you, I think you have to, do some it, by the way this is a jarring transition to go from like race relations in the united states to yeah. owgr points i want i want to acknowledge that because it's yeah I, I we do a golf podcast that does not mitigate anything else that's going on that having been said the owgr thing i think it has to be a i think it has to be blended because if you if you go all the, if you just restart it and the european tour doesn't start up for six more weeks that's incredibly unfair to guys on the European tour. But if you don't restart it until the European tour starts back up, that's incredibly unfair to guys that say, say somebody, uh, I won't go, uh, Scott Stallings this time. I'll go, nice. um, who else? Ryan, Ryan Palmer. Let's say Ryan Palmer wins colonial and then doesn't get the world rankings. I mean, that, that it just creates it. That's an untenable situation. So the idea that I saw that I think Keith Pelly actually proposed this, or he said he proposed it is you freeze the, the guys that are European tour guys 
you freeze their numbers so that their tournaments, so they don't have like holes there. They're going to have holes, right? For the next two years of this kind of rolling average. And that might not sound like a big deal and it might not be, but I mean, we've seen it before where guys getting into majors comes down to tenths or hundreds or thousands or whatever of a point in the world golf rankings. I think you, I think you should, and there are probably problems with this that I can't see, but I think you freeze the European tour guys, let everybody else go and then kind of blend it that way. Maybe that doesn't, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't make sense. How, how do you determine the European tour guys with only that eligibility Would that, is that yeah. how we'd count them? I, I don't, I don't know. I, that, that would be difficult at, because, you know, technically somebody like Rory, like you wouldn't, Right. I, I guess it would be guys that are, if you're playing on another tour, sorry, but if you choose to say like, Hey, I'm, if you're part of the European tour and you're not playing anywhere else, I think your, your number gets frozen. So I think, as you mentioned, this is an extremely difficult situation to figure out. I mean, there are so many questions that come into my mind. Like for instance, the European tour is going to be playing different events. They're going to be playing events at the same venue over and over and over again. We have two events back-to-back weeks at Memorial. There are tournaments that have been canceled, tournaments that will be missed. There is a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uniqueness to the situation. And I'm not smart enough to do the math calculation. Maybe Rick is. Maybe we can get it into a database, do a little spreadsheet, official world golf ranking calculation here. It's hard for me. I, I have one suggestion. And I think what you do is you, you have to think about the purpose of official world golf rankings. One option, and again, this may be unfair to somebody, but is there a way to freeze official world golf rankings? Not, not freeze, that, that's the wrong way of saying it, but create a, a deadline. So if you were in the top 50 on whatever today is, on June 5th, then you are exempt into uh, the world golf championship FedEx St. Jude Invitational, or you're exempt into the U.S. Open. Create checkpoints, and and uh, I know the Masters does this. There are other tournaments that do things like this, and then you give players who are still playing uh, maybe a little bit of an extra opportunity. Maybe you expand the field to some of these events. Are, are, do you think there's a way, Rick, where you can uh, kind of get creative with the process of getting into tournaments and just let the World Golf rankings play out as they will now? So first of all, I don't think you want me to do the official world golf rankings because Sung Jay will just be number one in those. <laughs> but um, so I, I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be a way and someone is going to feel that others benefit and some, is go, some are going to feel that others um, are, are being taken advantage of or, or not benefiting from this. Uh, and this is just the first of these of these questions, right? Because it's the official world golf rankings, we're talking about it now. But there's going to be right qualifications for other events. There's going to be Olympics and and how they deal with that. There's going to be like at the end of this season, someone will have a conversation that will be like, well, he won the FedEx Cup playoffs, but like you know, a third of the events were taken. Like there's going to be all of these really weird situations that pop up over and over again over and over again over the next couple of years because of this three-month stretch with no golf and I think unfortunately like these organizations should be trying their best to make it fair but someone's going to be left out and like that's okay like it's it's going to be a weird time and this is going to impact people negatively and positively and like I I don't know how you're going to make everybody happy I don't think you can it's the year of the asterisks Right. Yeah. I mean, every you, Kyle, do you think every event that that is played from here on out is going to have a, a little asterisk next to it? Every accomplishment in 2020 is asterisk. 
Rory's going to win the Masters in the year of the asterisk. Isn't <laughs> That'd be fair. You can that's, see it now, right? That's going to, that's definitely. Well, and happen. it would be worse if he then never won another one. If the yeah. only one he won was 2020, would be bad. I just, I don't know. This goes back to the November Masters thing for me. Like, whatever, just play, yeah. right? Like, it, like, and, and this is kind of, I think, what Rick was getting at of just like, it, it's such a, minuscule thing now i know i just argued the other side of this but if you're if you're like losing sleep over if you're on the european tour and you're losing sleep over these like minuscule owgr point things like hey guess what we didn't even have golf two months ago three months ago so i don't know they're they're much worse things yeah it's a good it's a good point there's one thing that i find interesting on this and uh, well there's many but one thing is the, the players who are maybe kind of borderline, they're European tour players, full-time European tour players, players that are going to be affected by this the most are likely not the guys that have, uh, you know, $50 million of career earnings on the PGA tour. They're likely not guys who have, um, you know, $25 million of career earnings on tour. They're maybe not in that kind of a secure position and they make a lot of hay by qualifying for world golf championships events. So to me, the important thing is establishing qualification guidelines. Is there a way for each tournament to handle, uh, to, to alter, to adjust the way that they accept players into their events? And what I go ahead. Well, you, you, you brought this up before we, before we started going, but, even the U S open this year is going to be so interesting because they're not doing the, uh, the qualifiers. So everybody's going to be, you're going to get in automatically somehow. Now I saw an article the other day. Um, I think it was also on golf week where Mike Davis was interviewed and he was talking about, you know, I think, I think in my head, I thought, Oh, well, there's put the top one twenty in and then a couple other guys that, you know, qualify in different ways. But Mike Davis is talking about how, the qualification is going to be like similar to what we've seen in past us opens where it's like, Hey, we've got eight amateurs and these college guys and these qualifiers who went through, I, I don't know how you're going to do all that. Like what the, what the parameters will be. Yeah. But I think the qualification for everything that has unique qualifying situations for the rest of 2020 is going to be, it, it, it there's just going to be a lot of variety to it that people are just going to have to be like, Hey, Guess what? It's awesome that we're just playing golf. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, think about where we opened the, the podcast, right? We're having a, you look at this, you can look at this through a, a narrow lens and these are really big problems in the game that we have to find answers to, but you look at it through a wider lens. And like you said, eloquently, Kyle, this is just, we're happy to be playing golf again and we just need to be grateful. So, I mean, to me, we're, this is all going to work itself out. I'm labeling this the year of the asterisk, the year Rory McIlroy won the Masters. He's going to have an asterisk on the jacket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think the major champions will still be – I don't think there's a big asterisk next to that. No, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be when Sebastian Munoz wins the FedEx Cup. <laughs> that's, that's where people are going to say, what, how'd he, how'd that happen? Sebastian Munoz is a, is a good one. That, that's, uh, <laughs> Use that yeah. for Scott Stallings. Movie. That's great. Yeah. That, that was high quality, but let, let's, uh, let's stick with a little bit of European tour conversation. Uh, we heard from the European tour CEO, Keith Pelly, and 
He told the, uh, the McKellar Golf Podcast that the event will have a decision at the end of the month. He has also mentioned that the European Tour is uh, not as bad a shape as it's been previously reported. And we've had the U.S. captain, Steve Stricker, say the Ryder Cup without fans would be a yawner. So three kind of Ryder Cup issues going on here. Uh, Rick, I'll start with you. We'll have a decision or a direction at the end of the month. What do you think they should do? Should this Ryder Cup just be postponed? So uh, I love that he mentioned the tour is not in as bad of a shape as pre- previously. Like, what's he supposed to say? Yeah, you guys were right. We're it's dire straits over here. Please send SOS. Help us out. Like, of course he's going to say that. Uh, but I, I, I here's the thing. I I think they should play. I think that that wow, uh, it would be great and i'm talking about without fans like i I think it would be great to see the competition i think in terms of um you know in terms of like covid safety it's fewer guys than we're going to see at colonial by a a big number that are going to be on the course so i again it'll be one time we're going to do this one time and all the highlights are going to be like no fans this is kind of weird you're going to hear the celebrations you're going to hear those guys yelling on the green like i'm okay with that um, now, I don't know how that impacts everybody financially, but with that being said, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I, I want it to, but I, I also just think that there have been enough big voices in the game of golf that have already said, uh, you know, the Ryder Cup will be a yawner, or Rory says I, we should wait until we get fans back or anything like that. I just, I, I don't think it's going to ha- I think they're going to postpone it until they can safely get fans on site, but I think they should play. I, I, I disagree. I, I don't, if you've got a, a, some margin there to play with and, and, and we're saying, I mean, it would be one thing if you were, if you were uh, marginally improving the event, if it was going to be like 10% better by waiting a year and you're like, okay, whatever, that's not worth the logistical hassle of it. But to, it, it, it triples how, how good it is to have fans there. I, I, I just, I, I think the margin that you have the 12, the, I mean, the next Ryder Cup isn't for 24 more months. You have plenty of time to be able to get it in. I, I think you should take advantage of that. What about the guys that, uh, and again, this goes back to the whole ranking thing, like who would have qualified for the team in September and in two months, they never get their Ryder Cup uh, chance. Like that, like well, we're going to have what, this conversation 15 times in the next two years. What they did in 01 after 9-11 was they froze the teams because that, that was a month before the Ryder Cup, right? Or right. not even, like three weeks. They froze the teams, and then they just played it the next year. So I think theoretically, now this one's a little different because you've missed so much of this year, but you could freeze the team so Bern Weisberger can be on your team and play it at Whistling Straits in 2021. Or, or if you were going to do that, I would, and again, people are going to, you know, the traditionalists will hate this, like give two more captains picks so that if someone does in the, in the next from now until a year and a half from now, somebody jumps on everybody's radar, you know, we get another Colin Morikawa, we get another guy, like something like that, that they can still be part of this and not have to kind of uh, sacrifice some of these other guys who earn the spot. I, I do think that they have a little more flexibility from the European side than we originally thought. I mean, I, I originally read a, uh, I think it was Global Golf Post article that dove into the European tour financial situation, and it looked extremely dire. And I think, I, I think what, uh, what Keith said may have a little Keith, more merit than first just name saying, basis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Pelly, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I think what he said is, uh, has a little more merit than, then it may sound. 
I don't think this is just like, of course, yeah, we're, oh, it's not that bad. I don't think he's hiding anything. We had Padre Carrington on a new breed of golf and, and he talked about this. He stopped us. He said, guys, it, everybody's talking about the financial situation. You own one of the biggest sports assets in the world. If yeah. you were to sell it to a hedge fund, uh, it, it would go for a billion dollars, maybe more. I mean, wh- I don't know what you think that number would be, but it's a huge number. And you can borrow against that, um, that projected value. So look, I, I'm not a finance guy. I don't know how the, all that works, but I found it very interesting. If you have this asset, you can borrow on it. The only thing it means to me is, well, we can make a decision that's best for the Ryder Cup, that's best for the players, that's best for the fans. We don't have to do it because the European Tour is running their their entire tour on a four-year budget and missing a year puts them out of business it doesn't sound like we're in that situation i i love the idea of of just accumulating massive amounts of debt based on john rom and tommy fleetwood's <laughs> long, long iron play that's incredible <laughs> if i uh, <laughs> if i ask you guys right now would you rather have uh so, so let's say this thing is played in 21, so we, so we skip a year. Would you rather have on the U.S. team Colin Morikawa and Matthew Wolf or Tiger and Phil? And you have to pick right now. Who would you take? Tiger and well, Phil. Uh, Phil's going to be like 55 I, by then. Yeah, I mean, you're talking another year. I think, I think Phil's in great shape. I'm gonna say Tiger. What Phil. tells? What makes you think it. Phil's in great shape? His game. His game is not in great shape. He is not good at golf. Like, I hate to no, break. He's in phys- great physical shape. Oh, Phil's he definitely is. Oh my god, for forty, for forty nine and less than two weeks away, he's in unbelievable shape. But yeah. like, he's not that good at golf. <laughs> Look, if if Phil Mickelson was in this kind of physical condition in 2004 when he created his logo the logo would look completely different (laughs) i I think i don't i think he would have a different logo because there wouldn't be enough room on the page with calves like that i mean he must have raised his vertical at least double which is like two phone books so uh, i i think that i'm gonna stick with tiger and phil i think phil's got a little more in the tank I would take I would take Morikawa and Wolf. I th- I think Morikawa is a better player than Wolf. I Wolf is the one that I'm like eh, I don't know. I think Morikawa would fit in fine. I think he'd be great. At I right agree. Um, but Tiger and Phil. I mean, I just we don't need to dive. I mean, we can. I love the Ryder Cup, but they just weren't good in Paris. Tiger was awful, and Phil was like unplayable. Even even before you got there, it's like how's this gonna go? And then it went worse than you know anybody thought. But even like when okay, I'm obviously taking the Tiger and Phil side for Tiger because even when Tiger plays, like that's like its own Ryder Cup within a Ryder Cup. Like that match he's playing <laughs> is like even more amped up. I, I I know we're getting less and less of those as we go. We're gonna have plenty of Morikawa Wolf seasons. Like if you made me pick right now, I'd I'd have to see Tiger and Phil. Hey, do you get, yeah. do you guys remember when Patrick Reed said that Tiger apologized to him and then he explained to him that it was a it was a team sport and and that's okay. Yeah, that definitely, was unbelievable. Definitely <laughs> happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, unbelievable is it's very well said. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I am surprised. I'll leave us with this because uh, we are going to have to get to a break here. But I, I can't believe. I think we've set a new record here on the first cut. We've gone through a first portion of the show. We've discussed Ryder Cup, and uh, one particular name has not come up. So uh, I do think that's a record. I'm going to keep the record going. So we are going to take a break and hear a word from our partners. But first, if you like what you hear, then don't be shy. 
and tell a friend about the First Cut Podcast. You're out on the links where everybody's back outside. You're playing. Hey, where do you get your golf content? The First Cut Podcast. We're going to be here with you throughout golf's return. Uh, and if you like what you hear, then, then let your pals know about it. So we'll take a break from our partners. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back on the First Cut Podcast. Uh, I'm Greg Ducharme, and and now we're going to get into the pre-Tiger era version of dot, dot, dot. Now, uh, we've had a little bit of debate off air whether golf actually existed before the Tiger era. So we are in unfamiliar waters. Um, but first, we're, we're going to get into a, a bunch of players. And these are some big names, some really interesting ones. First, we'll start with uh, Rory McIlroy. Kyle, who is the, fir- the, the pre-Tiger era version of Rory McIlroy? Okay, so how, how far – so we were assigned this, this little homework – uh, this bit of homework by producer Jacob. How how deep did you guys go? Did you go like 1980s and 90s, or did you go all the way back to young and old Tom? Uh, see, I had a hard time going back to young and old Tom, although I would say it's allowed. And the reason is it's hard to get a feel for. Look, you you go the players you know from that era, in my opinion, are greats of all, all time. They're they're legends. They are on the Mount Rushmore of the game of golf. And so I. The other players, like the rest of the tour, you don't really know. So it was hard for me to go that far back, me personally, but I think it's definitely allowed. So, so I think when you're comparing like, you know, who, who they are, there's a couple ways to do it, right? There's kind of like a statistical way to do it. There's kind of like a visual way to do it. Did their swings look similar? Do they have a similar style? So when you get too far back, Kyle, we lose both the stats and we lose the visual, right? We don't have the footage of old Tom Morris winning his five or whatever open championship. So I'm, I'm firmly in like the just era right before tiger, like the seventies, eighties, nineties kind of. Deal. Yeah, that that's, that's fair. I, I, I did go a little deeper than that. And, and I, and I started, I kind of started with like a statistical outline. Like, do they fit within the parameters statistically? And then I went from there. So I'll, I'll go with uh, for Rory. I had Sam Snead. Mm. and that's a good one i wanted to go arnold palmer for rory i i I felt like in my head that kind of matched up 
but I, I, I don't know. For some reason, it didn't like. The more I started thinking about it, the less it it, it made uh, it made sense to me. I, I just I, I I don't know. But so the reason I want Sam Snead is uh, I found a quote from my man Gary Player, my guy. And uh, this was about Sam Snead. He said, I don't think there's any question in my mind that Sam Snead had the greatest golf swing of any human being that has ever lived. And when I think about Rory, I don't know that he has the greatest golf swing of anybody who's ever lived, but I think he is the guy in this generation that most people would say that about, right? I don't know that you would get that big of a superlative from other players, but I think you would get something along those lines well you heard brooks kepka say rory's mesmerizing to watch right that's kind of a you hear when you hear brooks kepka say that his biggest air quotes rival is mesmerizing to watch it it puts him in the same category i can see where you're coming from are you worried at all about the the win difference 82 to 18 does that does that bother you at all no because i think that sneed you know rory doesn't play very much i mean his his win rate in terms of some of these guys historically, it, it matches up pretty good. I, I don't know what Snead's total tournaments played was, but uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where I landed with Rory. Rick, uh, now, did you kind of go a similar way? Did you judge the swing stats? What, what was kind of your main focus point in choosing these? And then we'll get into your first guy, um, Bryson DeChambeau. I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely start with the stats, right? I don't want to give a guy, you know, who's got, two career wins. I don't want to say he's, he's Jack. Right. I, so I, I, you got to yeah. kind of That's find. What, didn't, uh, Emelman say that, uh, Morikawa was Hogan or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which is when you get to the young guys, that's the one thing I'll say. Yeah. So I, I had Bryson here. Um, so from a statistical standpoint, I went with 95, very specific Ernie L's. So there's a great tool on data golf that does kind of player comps and they're very comparable at their 25 year old season, which is the season that Bryson uh, is currently in at the moment. Now, Bryson's already won like five times. He's won more than Ernie has. Uh, So I, I added a second caveat to Bryson, which is Eli Calloway of Calloway. And the reason I did that is because I think more people think of Bryson, not necessarily as his skill as a golfer gentleman, but like, the innovation and stuff he does around the game. And when Callaway, when they introduced the big Bertha, you know, steel stainless steel head 199 CCs, which is tiny these days, you know, that was radical. That was huge. I, I kind of gave Bryson a half and half thing. So I did, uh, I did a long article on Bryson earlier this week. I think it came out on Wednesday and I did Bryson comps like historically I, I did more recent history. So not pre tiger, but sort of in the tiger era. And he, so he's played exactly a hundred PGA tour events. He's won five of them. And one of the, so there's a bunch of other guys that have done almost that did almost exactly, exactly that same thing. It was like Sergio, uh, DJ, uh, Hideki, I think. And, um, the, but the one that I love the most, and now this guy won six times in his first hundred, although I think one of them was a, like the two round event at Riviera was Adam Scott. Ooh. Like I, I think that, I think the trajectory of both of their careers, even though they couldn't be more different as people <laughs> yeah. was, is, is incredibly similar. I, I know that go, goes completely against the exercise that we're actually doing, but I thought that one was, was pretty interesting. That's cool. 
it is very interesting. Again, there's a lot of ways to do this. Like, are you like, there's no, with Bryson, now we're talking wins, we're comparing wins. Are we talk? And, and then you got a little creative going with Eli Calloway and innovation. Maybe it could have been like a Hogan because of the hat. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, or Mo Norman because of the high hands and some of the swing mechanics. There's a lot of different ways to go with this. Hard to find a perfect one. So the guy that I drew uh, was Dustin Johnson. And again, these were assigned to us. We'll make that very <laughs> so, so Jacob, our producer, gives us this homework assignment. He assigns us with four players each. Dustin Johnson was my first. And I'm thinking, my first thought was, well, I don't know anybody that's like Dustin Johnson. So I start looking at some of the numbers because I'm thinking personality, right? And the guy that I came up with, to me, is it, it, they, there are so many stark differences between the two, but at the same time, there's some great similarities. So the guy, it, it's Greg Norman for me. They mm. both have 20 PGA Tour wins. Uh, Greg Norman has two majors. DJ has one right now. But the, the biggest thing for me is the close calls. Yeah. So Greg Norman has eight second place finishes he has four thirds he's got 20 top fives and 30 top tens right i mean the guy is just he's no greg norman is known for heartbreak and dustin johnson strikes me the same way now i do think that greg norman probably felt the heat of that a little more than dustin does dustin lets it roll right off his back but i think to the the pga championship at whistling straights when martin keimer wins and he grounds his club in a uh, what was a, a bunker which he didn't think was a bunker and then he three putts after hitting two of the best shots i've ever seen on on a 72nd hole in a major he three putts to to lose the u.s open too uh jordan speed and and so it, it, it's just this kind of heartbreak they both reach world number one they have the same number of wins and they're both known for being great drivers of the ball so to me um that was a strong comparison in many ways obviously there's a lot of stark contrast as well um but very interesting now uh, i'm very interested to get your uh your your next guy kyle in in phil mickelson i'm, I'm very interested to hear this one I love the uh, the DJ Norman. I think that's a really good one. Producer Jacob's telling us to go faster. I've got Spieth coming up, so there, we aren't going to be going faster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so I will go faster with this one. For Phil, I had I wanted to go Lee Trevino, but I went uh, Walter Hagen. Interesting. So Walter Hagen, third most majors, older. third most majors of all time. But I went with him because he was a he was kind of a showman. He was kind of a like an like an old school like exhibitionist, tour the country, Swash stuff like butler. that. Yeah, it's kind of Phil type stuff. So I found this quote, and here here was here was a quote from Walter Hagen. He said, "My game was my business, and as a business, it demanded constant playing in the championship bracket. For a current title was my selling commodity." Which is that's what Phil would wow. say. Wow, it, it literally <laughs> sounds like wow. Phil could have said that. <laughs> Uh, so that I don't know. To me, that one just fit with with uh, Walter Hagen there. That's good. perfect, Rick. Uh, yeah, Tommy I, Fleetwood. I can go. I think this one is my is my um, best like resume comparison. So I have Tommy Fleetwood and Thomas Bjorn. And if you look at Tommy Fleetwood for as great as he is, you have to describe his resume as a little underwhelming because of the lack of PGA Tour wins. Thomas Bjorn. Very similar. 15 European Tour wins, 21 wins worldwide, nothing 
on the PGA Tour. We remember that collapse at the 2003 Open Championship. That was kind of his to his to lose. Um, but then you look at Fleetwood and Bjorn, and both have Ryder Cup success. Bjorn was four and zero in Ryder Cups. Uh, one of them was as a as a captain, and Fleetwood one and zero in his Ryder Cup played really well. I could definitely see Tommy Fleetwood winning a couple more times on the European Tour, never cashing, uh, you know, never raising a trophy on the PGA Tour, and having a very similar resume as Thomas Bjorn. I, I, that's that's digging deep. It's uh, it's phenomenal. Maybe a Ryder Cup captain in the future for Tommy Fleetwood. I could definitely see that happening. Uh, so for me, in the spirit of moving along quicker, I have Brooks Kepka. This was such a hard one for me. I mean, there's nobody in the in the pre-Tiger era that looks anything like Brooks Kepka. There's no physical specimens like Brooks Kepka. So I went to numbers on this one. And one other thing, I went with Larry Nelson. Now, Larry Nelson has 10 wins on the PGA Tour, three majors. Brooks has seven wins on the PGA Tour and four majors. The thing that I found interesting about Larry Nelson is he did not play as a kid. Uh, he played basketball and he played baseball growing up. And he qualified for the PGA Tour for the first time at the age of 27. So Brooks, while he played golf at a younger age, he did play at Florida State, he kind of developed his career a little bit later. And all of a sudden, he jumps onto the scene. And we all know the name Brooks Kepka. There was a while where we didn't. So they're both late bloomers, both great in major championships. Uh, not afraid to go low. Larry Nelson, 65-67 on the weekend at Oakmont and one of his wins. Um, and we saw a similar performance at Beth Page Black out of Brooks Kepka. What if Kepka is just Padraig Harrington, who, you know, Harrington won, what, six times, three majors, and three of them were in a 13-month span? Like, yeah. that's <laughs> like, if Brooks never does right. anything else, that's exactly what he is. It's the Hall of Fame career in a two- or three-year stretch. Yeah. And uh, it, there are a lot of players like that. One of them you could argue Jordan Spieth, who's next for Kyle is, I mean, this is a comet who develops a hall of fame career in, in literally three years. That's an unbelievable take, Rick. I love that. take. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just staggered over here. I can't even talk about Spieth right now. That's so good. Oh, Did yeah. you just think of that? Uh, I mean, I kind of, I, cause I knew what Patty had done and I was, I, I just looked it up to see how, how quick, like what that span was of the three. I knew it was. I knew he had three in a very short period of time, and I looked it up, and it was thirteen months. Yeah, because it was like oh oh eight oh nine, I think, or oh seven oh oh seven oh seven oh eight. Because it was yeah. when Ti it was when Tiger, Tiger was like out for a bunch uh, for a couple yeah. of them. Well, yeah, Tiger was out in oh eight. The two yeah, that's that he right. won in 08. That's right. He won at Carnoustie in oh seven. Yeah, and then he won the Open again at um, I I don't remember where that was exactly, but then he won he burked out. Birkdale, and then he beat Sergio in the PGA following that. Yep, that's exactly. so good. Uh, okay, so Spieth, this is maybe just shallow and dumb, but I went with Byron Nelson. Um, that's good. Know, I think, I think that you know, in, in in reading more about Nelson, he's just somebody that everybody thought very highly of. I, th I I don't I don't think people think about Spieth necessarily the way they thought about Nelson, but I do think he's. I don't know. I think guys on the tour respect have a lot of respect for him and the success that he's had and then the other other thing was just how well both have played at the masters right like nelson was unreal there for a uh for for a stretch and obviously spieth has thrived there uh somehow only has one green jacket but i don't know i kind of like that one by the way did you guys know that nelson retired at like 34 wow no. I didn't know it was that young. I knew it was a little short. I didn't know it was, th it was that young. 
Yeah, so he's he's he retired in 1946, but then he came back and won. He won one tournament in '51. I, I don't know if he like played a. I don't, I don't know what he did. Uh, he won the the Crosby. Um, but yeah, he retired at 34. It's crazy. Maybe Spieth will retire at 34. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, it, it brings up another player who, to me, like when I was thinking about when I saw the list, um, Rick's guys, Anthony Kim, I thought, who, and there's nobody who fell off the map like this, right? I mean, um, what did you come up with, Rick? I didn't have one. So, so this is the only one I did not come <laughs> up. I did not come up with a comp, and I grinded so hard on this. There, there is no comparison for a guy with this type of swag, this type of game that wins three times in, you know, a year and a half or two seasons. And then we never hear from him again. And like literally never hear, like doesn't hang on and, and just, you know, drop to thousandth in the world or whatever, like literally doesn't play. Not, not even Twitter event. comments. Right. Like, like literally, I mean, this is a guy who was, he was in, you know, we had that video game conversation a couple of weeks ago. He was in video games. Like he, he was, he was at that point of his career and, and we've never seen anything else from him. So I, I open this up to you gentlemen, uh, who the comp could be. And I found this really great stat on, on a, on AK before I pass it over. He set the master's record in 2009 for most birdies in a round with yeah. 11 of them. Sick. That is like, Un, like, like that guy now we haven't seen play around in i don't know what nine years ten years something like that uh so f- just off the top of my head i read about this guy a little bit today because i was looking for my comps uh ian baker finch uh, it's okay. it's different because he lost his swing and he was it just it, it it certainly was not the same uh but ian baker finch is really good for a while and yeah. uh i don't i don't know that he was you know he won a major ak didn't i think ak's talent was probably just if from a raw standpoint just better but i don't know that's the first one i think of that's not bad man yeah i guess injury is one thing that could uh that could probably lead to something like this it, it's a tough one it's almost unfair to compare somebody to to anthony kim it, it i almost feel like it's like it, you you take a shot at them almost but the talent is just so high like i, I mean Ah, I just, I have a heart. I don't know. I'm with you, Rick. I, I don't know where to go with this one. It, it's the most challenging one on the list, in my opinion, because it's so unique. I mean, yeah. it, it's just, it's so unique. So anyway, we'll, we'll keep it moving and go to Henrik Stenson, who is next on my list. I was a little worried about finding somebody for this one. I mean, I'm thinking a James Bond type character, somebody who's cool and calm off the golf course. I started to look at some stats and I came up with Sandy Lyle. Um, the, the parallels here are remarkable. So PGA Tour, they both have six wins. European Tour wins, uh, 18 for Sandy Lyle, 11th so far for Henrik Stenson, one major for Stenson, two for Lyle, uh, which included a, an Open Championship in 1985. Maybe if Henrik Stenson can win a Masters uh, in the near future, he can match Sandy Lyle with an Open and a Masters. They both won the Players' Championship. 87 for for Sandy Lyle, 2009 for Henrik Stenson, and they both played on five Ryder Cup teams. Uh, and and there were two. Sandy Lyle was on two winning teams, including the first ever European win on, uh, as they say, American soil. And it's really it, it's not just the parallels here with wins, but also Sandy Lyle, known for that cool, calm temperament, uh, as is Henrik Stenson long longish hitters and 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 very accurate so i I was kind of happy with that one i I enjoyed finding that one um but but let's move along here to 
a young player. This is where we get into youth. And Rick, the last guy for Rick here is also a young player. They haven't accomplished a lot, but we see the talent. We know what the talent is. Uh, Kyle, Colin Morikawa, who, who is his comparison? Yeah, this was my favorite one. I think you guys are going to love this one. Ton of college <laughs> success. Uh, succeeded early on on the PGA Tour. Won early on. Had a great amateur career. Justin Leonard. Ooh. Oh, I was not expecting that's pretty good. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Unbelievable ball striker. I, I think, I mean, look, if Colin Morikawa has Justin Leonard's career, that's, <laughs> that's a great thing for Colin Morikawa. Yeah. yeah. But for right now, I, I don't know. I, I think that one is not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable at all. And again, it's hard. You're, you can't compare numbers here with these. So uh, I'll, I'll go to you, Rick. You have Sung Jae Im. Uh, you're, you're no doubt your favorite player on the PGA yep. Tour is your comparison no here, Jack Nicholas. Where, where do you, where do you put Sung Jae? No. So, okay. So Kyle did a really good job because with the young guys, it is really easy to be like, oh, they won once before 22, they're Jack. Like, which is exactly what I did uh, with Sungjae. So Kyle did a very good job of tempering expectations. Mine, I had a handful of guys to choose from, uh, but I, I had to find the right era. So I went with, with Seve, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> so, so I did, I did, I did ramp, I ramped it up a little bit. But, but let, me just, let me just put this into perspective about, okay, so Sungjae, he just turned 22 like two months ago. Okay, so he's got one win on tour. The most wins of anyone before 23 if you get two of them, you're in like the Raymond Floyd, Seve, Phil Mickelson, like that range. If you get to three, you're in Jack Nicholas, Rory McIlroy. So he's got two years to be on that pace, right? And there's really nothing else about Sungjae that that matches up with with Seve outside of the success at a young age. But I just took the best compiled resume out of any of those guys that I could find and stuck it to Sungjae. Well, it definitely to, tells you how, how you think of Sungjae. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> I need uh, I need producer Jacob after after uh, we get our last one in to to give us his which one like power rank him which the like the his top three just hearing him. We'll hear that. Yeah, I want to hear that too. I agree. Um, and this next, the, the last one, Justin Thomas, it's probably my favorite one. I, I'm excited to get your guys' take on this, but uh, Johnny Miller. And so Justin Thomas and Johnny Miller, their comparisons to me are, uh, first of all, they both shot 63s in U.S. Opens. Johnny Miller's was on Sunday at Oakmont to win. Um, um, Justin Thomas's was on Saturday at Aaron Hills. They are known to be spectacular iron players. I, I think Justin Thomas, aside from Tiger Woods, is the best iron player in the game. And you could argue that Johnny Miller, aside from Jack Nicholas, was the best iron player in the game during, during his era. Um, I think Johnny Miller has now a past in commentating. I think we saw last weekend <laughs> Justin Thomas may have a future in commentating, although it's probably a very, very, very many years away. 12 wins for Justin Thomas, 25 for Johnny Miller. Okay, now there's definitely a big age thing here. I, I could see Justin Thomas projecting to 25 at least wins on the PGA Tour. Majors, one major for Justin Thomas, two for Johnny Miller. The interesting thing about this one, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Thomas ended up with two majors or maybe three. I know that sounds like, high, I mean, I'm so high on Justin Thomas, but in majors, 
he has zero seconds, zero thirds, and only three top tens in his career, yeah. which just makes you wonder, like, how, how much major success can you really project for him? So uh, of all of, of my four, in, in my four comparisons, I think Justin Thomas and Johnny Miller was my favorite one. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. And uh, yeah, I, I like that one a lot. I, I do think, you know, you, if you said like, hey, two or three majors for JT, I think people would be like, what? That's yeah, dumb. it's going to be way more. It's going to be way more. Two or three majors is a lot. I mean, that yeah. is, you get past the one major club and it's like, uh, I don't know. It's just so many. And this is why I keep going back to this thing, Greg, of the next 15 months. I think we're going to look back and be like, somebody cleaned up yeah. over those seven majors in 15 months. It could be JT, could be somebody else. But I, I, I think somebody's going to win two or three of them. And, and, and it's going to be like Rick brought up a, a Patrick Harrington situation where it's like, wow. Wow, that was that was crazy. Yeah, th- this is the kind of situation where you're you have the opportunity to get a Hall of Fame career built in a year and a half. Yeah. Somebody can go from somebody we we don't really know very much about to a Hall of Fame legend of the game in a year. And it, there, we've never had a situation like this before. As we go live rankings coming out, and uh, I think we have a new title for the podcast. Rick, I got to get your thoughts. Song J M is the modern seven. Yeah. Book it. Send all your, uh, all your Twitter, all your Twitter complaints to at Rick run good. I'll gladly uh, entertain those bad boys. Oh man. Gentlemen, I, I, we are up against it here. And Jacob, by the way, did rank Sung JM and Sevy as the, the number one. We'll just give you a, a quick top three here. Justin Thomas and Johnny Miller, number two, and Jordan Spieth and Byron Nelson uh, takes the bronze. I think that's a good one. And one other point, Kyle, on the Jordan Spieth, Byron Nelson. Jordan Spieth's first ever PGA Tour event was the Byron Nelson when he was 16 years old. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So I, another I, uh, interesting little twist. I think it's his best ever finish at the Byron Nelson as well, which is not great. It, 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 very interesting. But you know that it means a lot from him. But uh, gentlemen, that was fun today. Thank you for, um, for all of your keen wisdom, keen insights. Uh, and and I, I had a great time with you today. So um, thank you very much. And next week, on the P- we have PGA Tour Golf coming back. And you better believe we are going to be loaded up. So uh, I, I can't wait to, to talk about some real golf. We're going to get away from some of these fun topics, which maybe, maybe we can sneak in to the end of some of these shows. But we're going to have real golf to talk about. We're going to have real predictions to make. And I can't wait for it. So make sure you tune in next week. If you like what you heard, be sure to give us a, a rate and a listen. Wherever you listen to podcasts, um, uh, leave us a review. And you can also follow Kyle Porter on CBS, uh, on, on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Run Good. You can get me on Twitter at The Real GFD. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.